Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and joining me on this episode is the super cool Cole Mahay, founder and chief executive officer over at Ignite, your inner potential, and a speaker at the upcoming Disrupt HR Birmingham, the very first Disrupt HR Birmingham in the UK, as opposed to the one that's been going for a while in Alabama. Cole served for 32 years in the UK police service, of which two thirds were spent at leadership level. In his life as a police leader, he had overseen complex and varied departments and commanded critical and major operation scenarios. He is regularly called upon to comment on issues around organizational culture and embedding emotional intelligence into organizational practices. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, he is the founder of the very fast growing, in fact, the fastest growing personal leadership events in the UK, Ignite Your Inner Potential. Cole has a belief that creating human-centered cultures has to be a leadership priority across many organizations and sectors. And I would agree with that. Hey, Cole, welcome to the show today. Great to be here, Bill. Thanks very much for having me on. What I didn't mention there, listeners, is Cole is also a fellow podcast host. I always get nervous <laughs> when I'm interviewing another podcast host. So, Cole, please do go easy on me today. Uh, beyond my reintroduction there, Cole, why don't you take a minute and tell our listeners a bit more about you? You've got a very interesting career background, of course. Why, why don't you tell our listeners a bit more? Thanks very much for having me on. And uh, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, I'm in any position to judge on your podcasting you know i'm sort of almost bowing down right here uh having listened to how long you've been going and what you've achieved it's incredible uh i as you say uh, spent 32 years in the uk police service two-thirds of that at very senior level it was my dream from the age of 10 that's all i ever dreamt about and uh you know, I was just checking my calendar only a couple of days ago, and I realized it's going to come to nine years since I left policing, and it just seems to have flown by. But I learned such critical lessons, and one of those is about how do we get the very best out of our teams? Now, my leadership style has always been really centered around emotional intelligence, human-centric thinking, uh, but it wasn't necessarily what the rest of my peers uh, sort of um, understood or grasped or or, or, or really got, you know, uh, policing is a can be a very sort of um, instantaneous, dynamic kind of an environment. And sometimes it, the culture is very command and control. Um, it is reshaping itself. It's changing. But uh, certainly during the time that I was in, I had many a, a senior peer who said to me, I really don't understand your style of leadership, but you're getting the results. Uh, and so, you know, as I went through policing and I saw the results that you can get from human-centric kind of leadership, as I call it, um, it is astounding. And now that's what I do. I work with all sorts of organizations of all sizes, national and local, to help them reform and, uh, their culture so that they can also be human-centric because I believe that, you know, our performance is really reliant on how good the people are that we have around us. And in order for them to be good, we have to create the right cultures and inspire them to be the, the very best that they can be. It's as simple as that. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. 
And now, back to the conversation. You make it sound simple. I'm sure it's much more complicated than that, Cole. Uh, <laughs> so, Cole, as I mentioned in the intro there, you are going to be a speaker at the uh, upcoming Disrupt HR Birmingham event. It's happening on October 19th. Uh, I'm going to be a co-host. Um, it was originally going to be on the 18th, listeners, and um, I'm, I'm covering Unleash in Paris until the 18th. And the guys are like, well, um, we can move it by one day before you, Bill. So very, thank you very much, organizers of Disrupt HR <laughs> Birmingham, for, for doing that so I can be involved. Can you take a couple of minutes now and tell us a little bit about your session and some of the hoped-for learning outcomes? Firstly, I'm really, really excited about Disrupt uh, HR Birmingham. Um, you know, I when I heard of Disrupt HR, I had those that tingling at the back of my neck. You know, asking myself, have I found my place? You know, my home, uh, because it seems to be such like-valued people. I, I I say like-valued because I shy away from saying like-minded. Uh, nowadays, I've realised that like-minded people is not enough. Like-valued people. I tend to go a bit deeper. And for me, it's all about value-based leadership. So what I should be talking about is, is, is a, I guess it's a bit of a bee in my bonnet. You know, we've talked about inclusive leadership. Or we've talked about diversity for many a year. You know, it's been 40 years this year since I joined the police service, 40 years. And in the UK, all we've ever talked about when it comes to diversity are those protected characteristics, you know, based upon your age, your sex, your orientation, your uh, color, your culture, all of these kind of things. And I've always had this bit of a rub with it. Now, I've been involved in diversity development. I was a founder member of the Black Police Association in the in the UK Police Service. I became the first vice president of the National Black Police Association. I've worked at a very, very senior uh, um, uh, ministerial level in the government to help reshape how inclusion works in the police service. Uh, and and I was one of the architects with uh, one some of the senior politicians around targets for police for police forces uh, to get recruitment retention and progression of uh, black and minority ethnic officers people of color into the service and the thinking really was that if we get x percentage of x kind of people then obviously that's going to reshape our culture and now i have to say i've gone 180 degrees on that i've realized that that's not what works. So I have this alternate view to diversity. My alternate view is this, that you, firstly, you can't homogenize people by putting them in these brackets of protected characteristics. You cannot say that all black people think the same way, or all women have the same issues, or all gay people uh, require the same needs. Everyone is an individual. And for me, when we understand that individualism is what it's all about, that's what diversity is. That's what people bring to the table. Then we also start looking beyond these traditional uh, uh, sort of uh, characteristics. We then start thinking about social, class, demographics, economic uh, backgrounds, because, of course, this shapes a person's experience and beliefs and thinking as well. For me, true diversity is about creating an environment, a culture where everybody feels valued, seen and heard, and therefore able to shape the thinking of the organization by coming out with their their own alternate views, their views, their opinions, their experiences, and, and bringing those to the boardroom so that we break away from these uh, so-called echo chambers, these uh, group think mentalities, you know, the kind of thinking that is cyclical 
uh, that in, a, in an organization just keeps going on and on and on. So what we end up doing is we have this rhetoric that exists in organizations where we sound like we're doing something around diversity, but actually all we're really doing is we are saying the same things as we've said over the last 10, 20, 15, 30 years, but just in a different language, in a more sexy language, in a more up-to-date language. And I want to break that. I want to break this rhetoric and get into real action. A real action for me is all about reshaping your culture so that you're not just attracting diversity into your organization, but you're retaining diversity in your organization. And that's where it really matters. That's how an organization starts becoming agile and adaptable and creative and innovative in today's environment. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the HR Chat Show. IEA training provides professional development to a changing workforce with changing needs. And we're proud to support this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. IEA offers lots of courses, webinars, and on-demand training to meet our students where they are and help them reach their goals. We're proud of our contribution to better risk analysis and high operating standards in the industry. Learn more at ieatraining.org. And now, back to the conversation. Okay, thank you, Cole. Cole, it would be remiss of me uh, not to mention uh, in the context of reshaping culture, what's in the news at the moment? Uh, regarding the the police force uh, in the last couple of weeks we've heard a lot about uh, for example uh, guns being taken away from police officers we've heard a lot yep. about uh, cameras that have been switched off and they should not have been switched off in my opinion yep. they should never be switched off um now i want to be sensitive to the different roles that you still hold uh, with the police advising and all the rest of it but i'd love to get your thoughts as, as an individual in terms of what do you think needs to change in the police force to counter potentially a toxic culture take me up on that if you don't think it is a toxic culture uh, but that's what we're hearing a lot about at the moment in the in the uk news and do you believe that that toxicity is systematic or actually in your opinion it's not as severe as what we're hearing well i mean the, the first thing i would say about the police services i have worked with some of the most incredible men and women uh, that i ever met in my entire life the vast majority of the police officers and i can't speak for other countries but i know it i'm i'm pretty sure that that is the same issue there but most of the people that came to work with me were diligent were committed passionate uh, individuals who just wanted to do a good day's job they wanted to keep the, uh, the the public safe. They wanted to lock up bad people and keep them away from the public. Uh, so I take my hat off to the you know the vast majority of the police officers out there doing a good job under very very difficult circumstances on a day to day basis. I know what that's like. Now, when it comes to you know the fingers that are very often pointed at police service. I'll say a couple of things. Firstly, it's always very very easy to point fingers at the police service. We are the most visible of the public service sector uh, environments. And, you know, police officers can't, um, they can't take, uh, have industrial action. Uh, so very often they have to take things on the chin. That's not to say, however, there are not things that need improving within policing. And one of my greatest frustrations is when you have very senior chief police officers like the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police uh, standing up and saying, we do not have industrial, sorry, we do not have institutionalized racism in the Metropolitan Police. And other chief officers will be saying it in, their, uh, in, in the context of their own police forces. I just think that's nonsensical. I think leadership courage for me is firstly accepting 
that of course we do have institutionalized isms in our organizations. Uh, it is by the very definition of what institutionalized racism in this uh, this sense is, the term was really popularized through a really, really uh, a big report, really important report back in 1999, which was a report written into the the awful, awful investigation into the racist death of a young man in London called Stephen Lawrence. And in the findings, Sir William McPherson actually said that the police are institutionally racist and offered up a, a definition of what institutionalized racism is. And the word from the words that really resonated for me was he said it's it's about unwitting and witting at uh, racism within within the police service. So it could actually be our policies are outdated. Our policies have not caught up with a changing society. Now Society is constantly changing. We live in this globalized world. The UK is a very, very integrated uh, uh, community. You know, the, sh- the, the identification of what it is to be British is so much different from what it was 100 years ago, but it's also so very different from what it was 15, 20 years ago. We are incredibly, incredibly diverse as a society and as a country. So for me, this Society is constantly evolving all the time. And of course, public sector organizations can't catch up. So we will always be unwittingly institutionalized, isms uh, to some degree or another. So I think that's a first point. That requires leadership courage to put your hands up and say, do you know what? We probably are. The second issue for me is not so much around toxicity within the police service, but a a real need to reshape um culture within policing to create a culture within policing firstly where everybody feels valued where everybody feels that the police service is representative of them that's not just about demographics that is about thought do they represent the way that i think and if they do then you won't have any problems with retention you won't have any problems with progression because people will feel that their their voices are heard their views are valued and therefore they can uh, try to go up the leadership ladder. Now, I work with a lot of organizations where they're saying, hey, we get a real frustration call that we don't have enough people from underrepresented groups at our senior le- level. Can you can you work with our underrepresented groups to get them up there? And we've done some incredible work and I've designed a program which is currently the result of a PhD uh, research paper at the moment uh, where we've seen uh, incredible success. And the only key things that we're really focusing on are I guess twofold. One is aspirational. This is about the mindset of the individuals. Most people will have a belief. Most underrepresented people will have this belief. Oh, do you know what? Uh, I don't think that I'm going to be appreciated at this certain level, or I don't think that this job is created for me, or I don't think that I'm going to be supported. So consequently, they opt out by inaction. And then, of course, when somebody else does get it, they'll say to themselves, see, I was right. And they reinforce this negative belief. So aspirations, changing those glass ceilings, those glass walls inside their own mindset is important. The second thing is around shaping the organization, creating an environment that is truly inclusive. And, you know, there's so many organizations, it's become a bit of a buzz phrase, this sense of inclusion. But what is it really like to be in an inclusive organization? And an inclusive organization is literally where everybody's treated like a leader. Everybody's respected for their expertise, their individual positions that they hold, the importance of their role within the greater need or the desire of the organization. So 
creating that culture within the police service, I think, is long overdue. I want to I want to see the UK police service taking some really bold action, some really bold action around uh, designing leaders that are so different from the leaders behind us, so different in terms of their mindset, their thinking, such an innovative approach to inclusion. And, uh, and in order to achieve that, it requires genuine leadership courage, I believe. Fidelo Inc. is a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance, and we're proud to support the HR Chat Podcast. We help identify strategic competencies and behaviors that drive results. Our team offers an HR web software to manage systems, reports, and data for HR people that need the best insights to make the right decisions and achieve better results. Learn more at Fidelo.com. That was a great answer. Thank you very much. Uh, Just on this body camera thing, uh, just one more time, and this is uh, falling outside the realms of an HR conversation, Mm. certainly. And uh, your answer might be a one-word answer. I don't know. But just just briefly, in in your mind, is uh, is there ever any excuse for police officers to have their cameras turned off? You know, only yesterday I had the BBC contact me on this very same issue, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing an interview with them next week, I think. But my answer would be exactly the same. I cannot think for the life of me why any police officer would want to take their body cam, switch their body camera off. Now, there may be some sensitivities, there may be some issues around confidentiality, but I would have thought that the way the footage is stored from the body cameras is already stored in a very confidential manner. I know how the police service works. So I can't even imagine that sensitivities, confidentiality is excuse enough to switch off your body camera. And it doesn't take a genius to work out that if you were to switch off your body camera, that you are going to, uh, you know, arise, suspicion will be uh, arisen around you. It, It just sort of beggars belief as to why you would do that. So that's my short and simple answer. I could be wrong. There could be some legitimate reasons why police officers may feel they need to switch their cameras off. I can't think of any. In 30 seconds or less, Cole, geez, can you do it? Uh, what do you believe is the most important leadership skill right now? I think the most important leadership skill right now is emotional intelligence. You know, I all of my work is based around emotional intelligence. And I'm not talking about just the four quadrants that Daniel Coleman told me. I'm talking about getting down granular, down to the 26 competency areas. I think emotional intelligence, things like empathy, things like relationship building, things like the ability to communicate effectively, to lead with inspiration, all of these and much more besides are so critical in this changed dynamic in which we exist, this changed world, this post-COVID world where everybody else has recalibrated their priorities and they are looking to work in organizations where they feel valued. And just finally for today, Cole, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's uh, LinkedIn, maybe all over cool platforms like Instagram and TikTok. And of course, how can they learn more about your work? Yeah, you can contact me uh, via LinkedIn. I am Cole Mahay on LinkedIn. I'm quite boring. I'm Cole Mahay on Instagram. I'm Cole Mahay on Facebook and Cole Mahay on Twitter. <laughs> so that's fairly easy. Or you can visit our website, which is www.igniteyourinnerpotential.com. Rock and roll. Well, uh, Cole, you are a very engaging, clever guy, a charismatic guy. I think the crowd is going to go crazy for oh. you. 
Uh, Disrupt HR Birmingham, October 19th. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. I'm looking forward but, um, to it. Are you going to be there, Bill? I certainly am. I'm one of the co-hosts. Oh, I look, Absolutely. I look forward to seeing yeah. you there then. I look forward to I've seeing you, meeting you in person. I've got to brush my hair and put a jacket on and all that jazz. <laughs> I'll um, brush mine too. I'm going to go and do the, <laughs> do the lawn now. <laughs> Take cool. care. But just for, for today, thanks very much for being my guest. Thank you. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.